please stay tuned for the Mendocino County Fire Safe radio show coming right up. Safe Mendocino coming right up here everybody we want you to know that support for KZYX comes from our members and the Good Farm Fund the Good Farm Fund provides economic development assistance for small food producers in Mendocino and Lake Counties and increases access to fresh local food to undeserved not undeserved, underserved members of the community. For more information, go to goodfarmfund.org or call 707-467-3200. And with that, we are going to start our show today. Uh, welcome, Director Scott Craddy. Do I got you there? You do. Um, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Mendocino Fire Safe Radio Show. Uh, wildfire is a natural part of the ecosystem we all live in, so we'd better be ready for it. Uh, preparing has been uh, preparing yourself has been the subject of prior Mendocino County Fire Safe Radio shows that have focused on what you can do personally and how to get your home prepared. We'll revisit those in later shows. We've also heard from some of the major players helping protect us from catastrophe, from our local volunteer fire departments uh, to the show, to the last show, which featured the chief of the Mendocino Cal Fire Unit. Another major player on the scene is PG&E. Because their power lines are nearly ubiquitous, so is their task of managing vegetation around those lines and both managing to help reduce the risk of fire and simultaneously somehow keep the power on. It's likely that everyone hearing this has seen the fleets of PG&E crews and contractors busy at that work throughout the county. And today we're going to get a look, a little window into PG&E's vegetation management program and what it's done in the past and what's coming up this year. Um, First, a brief disclosure, which is that the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council has been a recipient of several PG&E grants throughout the years that's helped our work, uh, including one in 2019 that helped fund the chipper that we currently operate, uh, two significant programs in 2020 that I administered that hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about a little later in the show. Uh, and with that said, I want to I'm going to welcome our guests. Uh, we have with us today Eric Haggerty. He's the Supervising Vegetation Program Manager for Humboldt and Mendocino Counties, and Deanna Contreras, who is a spokeswoman for PG&E. Um, and with that, maybe we'll start with Eric. Eric, would you like to tell us a little bit about your yourself and your work history and, and uh, why you do what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to come on and you know, talk a little bit about the VM program here that we have within Mendocino County uh, specifically today. Um, so a little background about myself. Um, my training and education is in forestry and natural resource management. Um, I went to Cal Poly, uh, San Luis Obispo, go Mustangs. Um, 
and I've uh, spent some time working in commercial tree care, um, you know, predominantly in the, in the Bay Area. Um, I've done inspection and program management consulting for PG&E and worked as a uh, vegetation program manager and most currently a supervisor for the vegetation management program in Mendocino in Humboldt counties, which oversees almost all of our streams of work for uh, at least distribution uh, voltage level um, vegetation management activities. Um, you know, there's a question here, what motivates me to do what I do? Um, you know, I, I came on and I, I felt that I could help make a difference, you know, and be impactful to the community that we serve and, and, and be able to provide safe and reliable energy to our end users and specifically in my space of keeping the trees away from the lines. Great. Thank you, Eric. Um, Yana. Hi, good morning. I'll probably turn my video off in a little bit, but I'm a spokesperson for PG&E. I uh, work in marketing and communications. I talk with the media, do interviews all day, every day. It's a full-time job. <laughs> um, and um, I am I cover eight counties, including Mendocino and Lake County. And right now, as you know, we're in the middle of a winter storm. So that's why I'm kind of going back and forth and checking my email. So I apologize. Um, but this interview is all about vegetation management and trees. And so Eric Haggerty, a certified arborist who's on with you, is perfect for that. So I'm just kind of, you know, listening in and we'll have any answers for you. If you have any questions about PG&E's community wildfire safety program or any, anything else with electric inspections or weather stations or cameras, anything like that. Um, I'm here to answer questions, but I know this is mostly about trees. So um, Eric is the main man for the hour. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Thanks. And hopefully we will get to some of those. Uh, PG&E has a lot of really interesting and related programs from like wildfire cameras to sectionalization. Hopefully we'll have time to get around to those at the end, but um, it's absolutely true that I want to focus on the vegetation management first. So we'll be um, focusing in with Eric and Eric, uh, maybe you can just give us a little intro to PG&E's vegetation management. Um, how, you know, how, how long has the program been around and what kind of resources are you working with? And, um, I guess you cover, um, I'm assuming it's, it's everywhere, but you cover Mendocino and Humboldt specifically. So with a, with a focus on that, what, um, you know, what, 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 what is the program overall as, as best you can tell us and what are the pieces of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess the, a bit of the history in terms of the California vegetation management as it relates to utilities um, really started in the early 1900s. And, you know, uh, in the 1920s and into the 1930s uh, and coming into law in 1942 was General Order 95, which kind of dictates all of the mechanisms for maintaining, constructing, and managing electric overhead utilities, underground utilities, and communications. And as a part of that, there is a, it's a whole list of rules. Um, and the rule that pertains specifically to vegetation management is rule 35. Um, that particular rule um, in the initial document was, you know, pretty, a lot more vague than we see today. Um, in the early 90s, in 1992, it, it went through a revision. And that's kind of currently we've had three or four revisions 
uh, through the 90s that kind of give us the general order 95 rule 35 that we see today. And that particular um, rule is what stemmed our vegetation management program. So we've been around for, you know, several decades um, keeping trees out of the lines on the PG&E uh, system. And uh, it's been an iterative process since, um, you know, the revisions of Rule 35. And in 2005, we had PRC 42, or Public Resource Code 4293, um, that was voted in and implemented. And that relates to our state responsibility areas that has an increased um, radial distance for keeping vegetation clear. Uh, You know, that's the forefoot. And General Order 95 Rule 35 is 18 inches. So that's kind of the brief history of what set us up to have the vegetation management program um, on our system, and it applies to all utilities in California. Um, so since the 90s, we've been out in force, um, you know, trimming trees away from the power lines and um, trying to continue to uh, provide reliable uh, service to our end users. Um, and we utilize those those two general order 95 and rule 35 and public resource code 4293 for the basis of our program. Um, specifically within PG&E, we have a pretty complex department. Um, we have a bunch of, we have several different teams that deal with different aspects of our particular, um, sir, or our, our overhead electric lines. So we have a group that deals with our transmission level voltages, which is 60 kV and above. Um, that generally trans, uh, sends our electricity from the point of generation to the point to a substation and to distribution, uh, to our distribution level facilities. So that distribution level facilities are, you know, 750 volts to 59 kV. And that's the space that I live in. So within our particular, um, distribution space, we have several different programs that, uh, that help us keep the trees away from the line. So we have a routine maintenance program that deals with specifically GO 95 rule 35 and public resource code 4293 compliance on minimum distance requirements. Um, we have a SEMA program, which is related to tree mortality and drought response that specifically is a six month offset from our routine operation that looks at dead and dying trees that may have died um, in the interim time from our routine spike our routine cycle. Most recently, um, what we've adopted here over the last couple years and is uh, quite the talk of the town is the enhanced vegetation management, which generally goes above and beyond, uh, or does, I should say, goes above and beyond our state requirements um, for vegetation management around our facilities. So that includes, you know, removing our overhanging limbs in that four foot, uh, four foot to the sky area, um, looking at targeted tree removal of trees that historically have caused outages and caused us issues within our certain geographic areas that we cover and manage. Um, and we also have a fuel, fuel reduction program that, um, you know, really focuses on strategic fuel reduction, you know, within, um, you know, communities in our high fire threat districts uh, with limited ingress and egress and helps to, um, really expand the vegetation away from our, our lines in those situations. And, and we do have some other special projects that are uh, in the works and we have implemented here um, on a pretty regular basis. Um, you know, we've used, or over the last two years, we've used the heli saw um, 
here in the Willits area, as well as along the coast on some of our transmission lines. And we are in the early stages of adapting our LIDAR to our distribution. We've been using some LIDAR information for the last several years on our transmission level voltage lines um, as it relates to managing our vegetation, but we are also moving into um, using that and exploring how that works uh, on our distribution uh, level um, infrastructure as well. Um, right now, in terms of resources uh, for Mendoc Mendocino County specifically, we have around uh, 200 uh, uh, internal pg employees as well as contractors that are out on a daily basis um, inspecting our lines, doing the actual tree trimming, and um, really helping us keep our our facilities safe from vegetation that may be impeding in our minimum um, required distance for um, uh, as it relates to Geo 95 Rule 35, as well as Public Resource Code 4293. Um, as you mentioned, I do cover uh, Mendocino County, Humboldt County, uh, and a little bit of, of Western Trinity County. And that's specific to our distribution level voltage facilities um, and cover the uh, routine SEMA, EVM, fuels reduction and special projects aspects of the vegetation management um, for that particular set of infrastructure. Great. That's a lot of pieces um, and, and a lot to cover. I'm going to sort of step back through that a little bit and, uh, you know, one of, one of the terms the last section you mentioned was um, LIDAR, which um, I'm not sure people are going to know what that is. Can you delve a little bit into to what that what that's about? Yeah, so LIDAR is essentially a, uh, it's a, it's a light imaging and data ranging system. And so it's a complex, you know, set of cameras that capture hyperspectral data um, related to vegetation, as well as, um, you know, high definition video um, in some situations um, around our facilities. So what we use that for, it's a essentially a remote sensing tool and it's captured via fixed wing aircraft or, or helicopter um, at the current time. And we fly a section, let's say specifically to our transmission lines, we'll fly a section of line and that particular piece of equipment captures a ton of data. And then that data is then taken back. It's all, all for lack of a better term, that data is crunched. And then what we're provided is a list of trees that may be growing towards our, you know, based on its current status in the field, maybe get growing towards our compliance thresholds that we want to take a look at. So it kind of gives us a strategic glimpse into where our vegetation is around our lines in real time or relatively real time that we can kind of use to help target field reviews based on urgency and um, compliance re requirements. So there's a lot of good um, online resources that you can look at specific to LIDAR. If you type you know, LIDAR into Google, you'll get a ton of information and it'll give you a general perspective of of what that particular tool can do in a lot of different aspects, um, but for what we're using it, we're looking at looking we're looking at growth trends. We're looking at um, in some cases tree health based on the hyperspectral data that's that's um, acquired during the flight because it does have the ability to differentiate from say green um, 
green healthy foliage to dying off foliage. And of course, it you know creates some nuances with our deciduous trees opposed to our evergreen trees. And some of our evergreen trees that do go through periodic needle casting can kind of show that you know, hey, this may be um, maybe dying when it's when when the tree is actually in pretty good health. Um, so it's really a tool in our toolbox for looking at vegetation in another way um, and helping strategically uh, go out and review locations in the field that may be important to us. Sounds like a lot of amazing data. You're getting kind of a window into where sudden oak death is creeping and all kinds of things. Hey, this is Cobb at KZYX. I'm just wanting everybody to know, if you just tuned in, you're listening to KZYX Radio. This is the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council radio show. Our host is Mendocino County Fire Safe Council Director Scott Craddy. And you've just been hearing from Eric Hagerty, the Vegetation Project Manager uh, for Mendocino, Humboldt County, a little bit of Trinity County. Um, And I have a question, Eric, when you're talking about this LIDAR, what have you been seeing overall changing in the county um, as far as tree health and that kind of thing with that tool? So our t- with, with our LIDAR as it currently stands, specific to Mendocino County, you know, we're still kind of in the stages of infancy of really seeing how that data works for us. Um, but what we have been seeing is, you know, it's been really helpful in looking at our compliance, uh, you know, where, where our trees are in, in relation to our line. As well as, you know, in some, we are seeing pretty significant die-off on some of our bishop pines um, on the coast, so we have seen some of that. Um, specific to some historical data and some projects I've worked on on the transmission side um, uh, up in the Sierras, it was really pretty influential, you know, during some of our uh, mass die-off that we saw from the beetle infestations that we've seen in the Sierras. So it did help us a lot in identifying trees that were 100% dead, that, you know, uh, either no needles on a tree or or needles that are, uh, you know, brown in color. It gave us a pretty good insight into where those trees are uh, relative to uh, um, our lines and the possibility based on uh, the height and location of the tree, if they could impact the facilities, and gave us some really targeted information of how we could get out and get some of those trees that um, are potential hazards mitigated. Cool. Um, And I'd like to go back and step through. You laid out a few different programs, and I'd like to sort of go through and focus in on them one at a time. Um, the first one you mentioned is routine maintenance, and that um, I'm assuming is, you know, sort of getting out and looking at as much of the lines as possible. Is that like a yearly thing? Is that, are you trying to cover 100% of the lines in the county in a year, or what is the, what's the scope of that program? Yeah, routine maintenance covers 100% of our facilities within the county on a yearly basis. That program generally runs, you know, roughly from November to November um, of each calendar year. Um, And we strategically plan where and when we're going to be, you know, inspecting uh, different portions of line. So uh, on the routine side of the house, we really like to think of it in a cycle-based fashion where we're maintaining a consistent cycle of our routine inspection that allows us really to target our um in our tree growth in a given year. So uh, by strategically planning um, to be in and around the 
same circuits at the same time every year. It allows us to keep our lines in compliance and really have a cyclical basis of trimming inspection and trimming. So we kind of have an idea of when we go out and, and, and do our inspection on a routine basis, we're not only looking for trees that are um, fitting the scope of work for routine this year, which the scope of work for that program is anything that could be encroaching on our minimum distance um, as is laid out by GO95, Rule 35, and Public Resource Code 4293. So we're looking at our radial compliance, our four-foot or in SRA, or our 18 inches in LRA. So SRA is state responsibility area, and LRA is local responsibility area. In addition to looking to our radial clearance requirements, we're looking at dead and dying trees, trees that may have significant defect, rot, um, uh, poor attachment, um, or a condition that may have changed from the previous routine cycle, um, from the previous routine inspection, rather. So as we're doing that, we're also looking for trees that would be required for trimming the following year or the year after. We usually look to, you know, one to two years out um, in our in our routine patrol. That way we're getting a good idea of what needs to be done this year and what needs to be done in the next year or two. And so ma- maintaining that cycle allows us to target the trees that need to be trimmed this year for our routine compliance and then what will need to be trimmed in the in the following couple of years after that as well. Okay. So I have a question about your basic uh compliance the the four foot radius um definitely here a lot of people a lot of neighbors you know just puzzled by the aesthetic appeal or in their opinion lack of appeal of some of the pg and e clearance how does that work for you like are you sometimes those trees look like they're topped in a way that doesn't make sense for the tree i don't know but it like, are, do you cut whole trees out, or do you only cut within that radius? So we do we do both. So generally speaking, for our the trimming and the aesthetics. So as it relates to General Order ninety five rule thirty five and Public Resource Code forty two ninety three, we have a minimum distance that we're required to maintain, which is that eighteen inches or four feet, depending on where you are. You know, whether you're in a high fire threat district, state responsibility area, or in a local area, say like the city of Ukiah, um, is generally is owned by a different utility and operated by a different utility, but also falls in the LRA area. So when we go out and trim, we're not just trimming back to four feet. We're also anticipating growth. We try and get two to three years of clearance. And under those certain statutes, it is um, at the discretion of the utility on the clearance that we get at the time of trimming. It's also a, a um, best practice as indicated by CAL FIRE to um, obtain a minimum of 12 feet at the time of trimming. Um, so 12 feet of clearance is pretty significant, um, you know, radial clearance, but also has to be put into perspective that different species grow at different rates. Um, and so we try and make sure that we have good, adequate clearance for, you know, pruning response or regrowth growth response due to pruning um that will help us maintain that compliance on a on a yearly basis or for a couple years we usually trying to look for a two to three year window of compliance when we do do trimming so 
that's kind of the why and how we trim and what kind of distances we're trying to achieve at the time of trimming. Um, all of our trimming standards are part of the ANSI um, A300 pruning standards for arboriculture. Um, and so we, we, we follow those. And so the, you, you will see a through cut, a bench cut, a V notch, um, sloped. And occasionally we, we really try not to top trees, but un- unfortunately in some situations when you have trees directly under the lines, um, that's the only option, um, is to do some height reduction trimming there. Um, which under that premise would be acceptable under the A300 standards um, for 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 trimming. Um, so we do, and just to touch on your other point, we do do removals of trees, and that's where we try and you know provide some adequate notification to our customers and say, hey, this tree, um, you know, may have this appearance after trimming. We are interested based on you know growth factors, the ability to con- uh, to maintain compliance based on species, we're interested in looking at removing that tree. Um, so in some situations where a tree's directly under the line, and as we kind of get our customers on board, we are willing to remove those trees underneath the lines, um, especially in situations where like the aesthetics could be uh, less than optimal. Um, you know, we do have ability to remove some of those trees. And um, sort of getting back to the flow on that. So we were we were looking at the, so there's a routine maintenance schedule, and I'm assuming then the actual trimming follows on that with some schedule. Is there a, you know, a look and then at some distance behind that, you're coming through with the crews normally? Yeah, yeah. Um, historically, we've, you know, inspected, you know, maybe four to eight weeks out in front of the tree vendor. So the tree vendor kind of runs from a, uh, mid-December to early January to December 31st every year is kind of what their schedule looks like. Our inspection schedule is generally, you know, November through November. Um, so on a regular basis or historical basis, we've had um, inspection go through first, generally four to eight weeks in front of the tree vendor, and then the tree vendor comes through and then completes the work in around that four to eight-week time frame. We have had some... Um, New, new contracts go out. Um, I think most of the folks in Mendocino County are familiar with Family Tree Service. Um, so they have opted, and, and with our support, we're, we're doing more of a concurrent um, inspection and, and trim. So we should be seeing maybe a two-week turnaround time. We're trying to tighten that time, time frame up between inspection and trim um, to you know, around a two-week time frame. So going forward, uh, we should see some tighter timeframes of uh, inspection and then trimming uh, within around two weeks. And it may even happen on the same day or within close to the same day um, of the inspection and the trim happening here on a going forward basis. Okay. And at one of our um, BDE participates in a uh, technical advisory group that the Fire Safe Council holds periodically. We um, you'd mentioned maybe working to get more of a window of insight into what that schedule is so people know, you know, what to inspect in their area. Um, is there any, how, how would that work? Is there, is there a way to get to get to being able to have that information available or is it already available out there? Yeah. So, um, 
I, I do recall that conversation here about a month or two uh, ago, Scott, and I have our enhanced vegetation management schedule. It's just about ready. Um, we're, we just finalized that over the last couple of weeks. Um, our routine schedule is also finalized, and I'm working to get that uh, schedule um, kind of dissected into more of a re- geographic region basis because we talk um, on our side of the house, we talk circuits. And so that doesn't really correlate very well to most of our customer base because they think of, oh, I live in Pine Mountain or I live over in uh, the McNabb Ranch area. So they're not super familiar with what the actual circuit that their house is on. Um, and so it wouldn't be of much value. So um, as it stands right now, I've just got to do a little bit more work on our routine-based schedule and breaking that out into a more uh, user-friendly format. And then I'll send that over to you and you can feel free to uh, disseminate that to uh, your constituent base. And that should give a pretty good idea of when and where and what we're doing um, in the different communities within Mendocino County. Cool. And if people, so if people know when things are coming up in their area, if they have particular concerns, like something that, you know, Aaron mentioned, a tree that's been topped, that it would be uh, better if it was gone, or trees that they want to try to um, make sure that pg e works around, what's the, is there a, a, a best vehicle for getting that communication happening? Yeah, so there's there's several different avenues that you can go through. Um, you know, one you can call the one eight hundred PGE five thousand number and kind of navigate the automated system. And when you when you get to an operator, just request to speak with vegetation management. They'll take your information and it will route to my team, and we'll have somebody that reaches out and um, inquires about the questions that you have. And those can be general questions. They can be concerns. They can be uh, compliments, they can be complaints, um, but that's a great avenue for getting information to myself and my team. Um, another avenue that you can go through or your constituent base could go through is sending the Fire Safe Council an email and getting it forwarded over to to me personally, and I can direct that as appropriate to our uh, local staff that manages our customer cases and customer contact uh, on our behalf. Cool. Okay, and we'll get to sort of more about cutting issues, in, but I want to get back to make sure we go through the, all the programs because um, there was a lot there. Um, you mentioned the tree mortality program, um, and um, certainly that's a, a big issue that we, we get a number of calls about with um, dead and dying trees that people want help with. Um, can you just tell me a bit more about that program, what, what you're trying to accomplish and, you know, what sort of resources and if somebody's got a tree near a line, it sounds like that, that they think uh, is a problem. It sounds like we just heard how to manage that, but if there's a, a different way to get that information, you know, relative to the tree mortality program, I'd like to hear about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we call it SEMA on our side or tree mortality and drought response is, is what that is referring to. Um, we also classify it as a mid-cycle patrol because we're doing a six-month offset. So that that particular program is targeting um, not only does it look at any type of trees that could be a compliance issue that may have been, uh, you know, some unexpected growth or some type of condition promoted to it, another tree, a tree needing to be trimmed um, for our radial clearance, but it also specifically looks at trees that have died 
um, since our routine patrol. Um, and so when we, we, we also, I think I should be clear is that on our routine aspect of our patrol, we're also looking for dead and dying trees at the time of inspection. But as trees are and being a dynamic living organism, they decide to check out on their own accord, which may or may not be during the time of a routine inspection. So our SEMA and our, our mid-cycle inspection is really there to help identify those trees that may have decided to check out after our routine inspection that may have not been showing clear signs and symptoms um, that they were, uh, were, were dying or in the process of being dead before our next routine cycle. Um, so specifically for that program, we uh, will come out, we remove the tree, um, we'll chip the brush, and, uh, and, and this goes for both um, programs um, related to routine and SEMA. Um, we, we will chip brush that's four inches or less, and if there's larger wood than, than four inches, that uh, wood will be cut into manageable lengths. That's usually around four feet in length. Um, and it does, we, we can, in some situations work, um, without of cutting it down to a little bit smaller if needed, um, on a case by case basis, um, for customers that see a tree that may have, um, died since our last patrol, uh, calling that PG&E, 1-800-PG&E-5000 number is the best way to get a hold of us or go through the fire safe council, um, would be really great mechanisms. You know, I, I think something that I say regularly to customers when I'm out in the field and interfacing with them is that we need to rely on our customers to also be our eyes in the field because we have a finite set of folks that are working through all of the overhead line within our county, um, our counties of coverage. And so we can't be in all the places at once. And as a result, you know, utilizing our customer base as a mechanism for helping us identify things that could be a hazard in the field is great. And going through the process of uh, calling into the 1-800-PG&E-5000 number is a great way to help us um, capture things that, you know, may be in between inspections. Right. And so in terms of the tree mortality program, you know, if somebody's looking at a tree and trying to make a decision about whether they should call, could you just do that, the quick recapping? What's the criteria if, it's, if it looks like it could fall on the line, if it's physically within four feet? I mean, what, 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 what tells people whether it's something that you're likely to be able to, to take action on? So essentially the catalyst for a tree. So when, when, when I think about it, you know, there's cases where trees are, are dead and dying underneath the lines. Um, and, and in cases where they're grown and they're, they're near our compliance thresholds, we'll go ahead and take those out. For trees that are outside or offset or adjacent to our lines, the criteria really is can that tree, based on its current, current location in the field, can that tree or if it were to fail, does it have the ability to impact our facilities to come and hit the lines, hit a pole, or hit a guy wire? So if there's a dead tree that's, let's just say it's a dug fir that's 140 feet tall, and it's 120 feet away from the line, we would assess that tree and look to see, does it lean at the lines? Does it, you know, what are the characteristics of the site? And is there potential for that tree to fall into the lines? If all of the boxes are checked, yes, that that tree that is 120 feet away from the line, but 140 feet tall and is dead or dying or has major defect, 
could hit the lines, then we would abate that tree and, and move forward with, with removing it. Um, so that, that is part of, part of our general order, um, 95 rule 35, as well as the PRC 4293 is to prune and or remove dead or dying trees that could fall into the facility. So a lot of times, and I know that's a point of contention for people is they go, wow, that tree is so far off the lines. Why are you, why are you, why are you interested in cutting that dead tree down? Or why are you, why are you looking at that tree? Because our, our state requirements tell us and guide us that we need to be looking at any tree that could impact the lines, um, you know, based on their height and their position to the line. Um, so a lot of times we're looking not only at the trees directly adjacent to our lines, but we're looking on a far wider scope to look at, especially in our county where we have a lot of really large trees and we're highly and it's very dense. We're, we're looking outside of our line or outside of our regular right away. If you want to say that, you know, outside of that, maybe 15 feet on either side of the line we're we're looking at it more expanded to say is that larger tree that's dead that's adjacent to our facility is going to cause us problems great um okay thank you um continuing just to move through the programs uh, there's one that um i think may be of particular interest here too you mentioned a strategic fuel reduction program that was looking at uh ingress and egress clearance which is certainly an issue of concern for a lot of people in, in the county um, how is that program developing and for this year and, and what are you, you know, how are you um, looking at trying to figure out where that work will happen? Right, right. So that, that particular process or project based, the fuel reductions is um, still in the planning phase right now. And, and what we're looking at is we're looking, we're, we're using some risk modeling to look at our different communities, our ingress, egress, high fire threat district or not, whether it's tier two or tier three, um, access to first responders, and also, like I mentioned, the ingress and egress for the, the individuals that live in those areas. So as we go through our risk ranking and we look at all of those factors, then we will have the ability to um, propose different areas that, that we feel would be of the greatest risk. So what I'd ask at our technical advisory meeting is that if anyone has any areas that fall, you know, within that tier two and tier three area, um, high fire threat district that has limited ingress and egress, if you guys were, if you guys would be generous enough to give us some ideas of what matters to you guys and what matters to our customers of where, where we could most strategically, you know, utilize these programs. So, you know, during those technical advisory meetings or through email, if, if we send some of these areas of concern over to, to myself, I can take these back to the team that is running the risk modeling and make sure that everything um, falls within the confines of, of what our criteria is for implementing these programs. And then, you know, at some point during the year, we can get out there and we can start getting some, getting some work done. These fuel reductions really target a 15-foot a 15 foot on center line. So it's about a 30 foot swath directly adjacent to our lines. And that's a little bit different than say the grants that are awarded to some of our fire safe councils is that the fuel reduction is specifically looking at that 30 foot area adjacent to our facilities directly underneath 
or to the side 15 feet on either end, either side, where we clear pretty much all of the vegetation within that um, 30 foot corridor. And what that allows is it one allows a fuel break and also allows if it is along the roadway, it allows a little bit in better ingress and egress from those areas. Okay, so we're looking at sort of populated route roads in particular that have power lines following them would be the sort of prime targets, if I'm getting that right? Yeah, for our internal fuel reduction uh, program, absolutely. Okay, um, and let me just mention to folks that we are um, collecting information about those, and um, I think it can be as simple as uh, it could you know, it, it may turn out to be useful for working with PG&E this year, and it may turn out to be useful for um, grant applications down the road. Uh, but if you have a, a road that you think fits that criteria and can send a, a Google map with some pinpoints of start and stop points and a little bit of description about why it, uh, why you think it's an, a particularly important project, uh, we will gather those and, and as, as much as possible pass them on. And it looks like Cobb needs to jump we are tuned to KZYX Radio right now, everybody. You're listening to the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council Radio Show. Our host is Director Scott Craddy of the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council. Our guest has been Eric Hagerty, uh, the project coordinator, the project manager for the vegetation project. Uh, excuse me, vegetation management for uh, PG&E. All our, our power lines going through the county. Um, and they most recently have been talking about abatement and fuel reduction programs. And I know, Scott, you were just giving some contact information to listeners and how to participate with assisting with identifying hazard areas. Maybe you could repeat that for our listeners. Um, sure. Our uh, main email at the moment is just firesafe at pacific.net. Um, so you can email us at firesafe at pacific.net to get um, general information. Um, and our main office phone line, which um, we just switched phone providers, so it actually gets reception now, which is a, is a big plus for us, um, is 707-462-3662. Um, and if you can't remember any of that, um, you can just go to firesafemendocino.org or just Google Firesafe Mendocino and you'll, you'll get to our website, which um, will also get you contact information to get a hold of us. Right, and you were just talking, too, about um, participants, listeners, members of Firesafe Councils, uh, keeping an eye out on their local PG&E area and getting you some kind of pinpoints. Could you cover that a little more? Uh, well, we were just talking about a um, an egress clearing program that's a little bit kind of, uh, is, Eric, you can correct me on this, but a little bit kind of extra that PG&E is going to uh, plan to get to this year. Uh, they have some resources, as I understand it, to do some clearing, um, more focused around clearing underlines that focus on ingress and egress issues uh, and can help with fire breaks in areas. So if you have a... Um, a roadway that um, is you know, paralleling a power line that you think is in desperate need of clearance for safety, uh, you can pinpoint the start and stop locations just on, on, on a Google map and send it in to us. 
and we will feed that in for consideration. Um, and I would also like to say, just uh, anyway, Eric, I'll pass it back to you in a sec. But the um, you know the risk modeling you're doing sounds like really um, kind of interesting and vital information. That we'll hopefully touch base later about um, how hopefully that information can sort of feed back into the, the grant applications and work we're doing. So we're helping each other uh, figure out where the where the biggest risks are and um, getting to them one way or the other as time goes by. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know how much um, information spe specifically on the risk modeling, you know, I'm technically allowed to uh, uh, divulge at this time, but I, I think I can definitely, you know, elaborate a little bit offline about um, where and what we're doing and kind of what uh, what we see as being the priorities so that, you know, our our projects internally as well as any of our grant opportunities um, and projects within those grants are, you know, hitting the same areas where, where we may be in alignment with where our high risk is for our, our communities here within the county. I, I have a question about that, if I may. Um, just in, in terms of you being a forester and, and being inspired around that, it sounds like PG&E, you know, over the years has collected a pretty amazing data set about our forests. Is there anything interesting that you've noticed about forest health broadly in the county or any patterns that you found compelling? Well, generally, generally speaking, I think the things I've noticed most is in terms of forest succession. So in, in all forested ecosystems, you know, they talk about succession, which is just the, uh, it's at the most basic, it's the level of maturity of a forest. Um, when, when a for, forest climaxes in its maturity, uh, hi, history has shown us that there are, are generally some type of catastrophic stand replacement or partially stand replacing event that does occur. Um, you know, whether it's catastrophic fire, whether it's beetle infestation, um, whether it's wind throw, um, or if it's, it could also just be related to specific species and, and their inherent lifespan. So it does give us some information about, you know, where, what, what are we seeing? Um, and generally what I'm seeing is, you know, and look at all the larger scale fires we had here in the Mendocino National Forest is we had a forest that had not burned to any degree in in a long time and and fire is a very normal thing in a forested ecosystem um and stand replacement events or partially stand replacing events is is a common occurrence as part of nature so what i have seen is that you know we have forests that are very mature they're very dense and you know it something is bound to give um that helps regenerate the forest for the next cycle of forest succession so that's something i've seen um, over the last, uh, you know, handful of years, um, looking at, you know, some of our internal data, but also just looking at, um, what's available to the public, you know, looking at our USDA reports and things along that nature. So, um, the inability to do, uh, significant force management or, you know, whether it's funding or, or whatever the case may be, um, really goes to more detrimental stand replacement events, um, 
similar to what we've seen. So that's something I've noticed on a personal basis, um, just just out of interest looking into some of how our forests are, are maturing and also to some of the events that we're seeing and, and how widespread we're seeing it too and, and some of the implications of how we manage our, our forests and, and how we as people interact with those forests living in those environments. Um, just to switch to touching on those environments a bit, um, you know, people um, have uh, moved into this rural county because they enjoy the, the nature and the beauty uh, to a significant extent. And so when when there are trees being cut and areas cleared, there are a lot of concerns that arise from that. Um, and certainly we've, we've heard a lot of them at the Fire Safe Council. Uh, you mentioned some standards for cutting, and I wondered if you could talk a bit more about that, if people um, are seeing cutting happening that they're concerned about or they don't think is happening right. You know, where should they, where should they look to the standards that are supposed to be being followed so they can assess whether there, there is a concern or, uh, you know, a basis for the concern, at least relative to the standards that should be being followed out there? Yeah, yeah. And and so where, where I would direct people, if they're looking at just general pruning best practices and, and requirements as it pertains to the whole, you know, agricultural industry in general would be the ANSI, A-N-S-I, uh, A300 standards. And um, that's the American National Standards Institute is the one that puts those on uh, or develops those standards based on a whole lot of industry information um, which accounts for, you know, tree health, you know, as it relates to trimming and gives the general guidelines for what we would be looking at when we go and, and complete specific trimming on a certain tree or in, a, in um, specific situations. Okay. Um, I know when we direct the crews that work for the Fire Safe Council or on our grant projects out, we, um, you know, coach them to preserve oaks to the extent possible when making choices and other natives and to, uh, you know, to choose uh, more invasive things when you're thinning and things that are tend to be more flammable. Do those standards cover that? Is that part of the practice when pg is out there? Uh, and when, it, when its crews are making decisions about how to go about thinning? So I, I think it's important to look at kind of what we're managing and, and kind of what we're up against there. So, of course, we want to put, you know, as being a forester myself, you know, we we, we take an oath and, and being an arborist to, to um, be a steward of the land. So, we, of course, we want to be looking and making sure that we're making the best decisions um, possible in, in the different situations that we encounter, whether that's removing a tree because we're removing too much of the foliage, which would be detrimental to the overall health and well-being of those species um, at the time of trimming. Um, but in terms of really targeting, we, unfortunately, when it comes to managing some of the vegetation around the lines, we get a big mix of native, non-native, and our regulations that dictate how and when we trim are not specific to the species. So we're required to manage the trees as they are in the field. The species, regardless, we have to manage our, um, you know, radial clearances and the dendine trees, regardless of species around our lines. Um, but that being said, you know, we where we see a, a huge 
say valley oak that's adjacent to the line and we can manage it through minimal trimming you know we're going to take that route where we can manage um, a healthy mature oak to by by doing a minimal trimming to make sure that we uh, continue to meet our goals that are set forth through uh, set forth to us by the state um in situations where it may apply more to i mean under our routine management and our SEMA aspect we're not doing really large-scale clearing. Um, under our veg- enhanced vegetation management, we're doing a little bit more in, uh, intensive clearing. Um, all of those projects are uh, governed through a utility exemption through CAL FIRE, and they're also, um, we're required to adhere to the California Forest Practice Rules that has a vast amount of requirements for dealing with erosion control, uh, clearing, and fuel management and um so on and so forth um so it just really depends on what the project is and but we we tried to be um as conscientious about what we're doing as possible and following all of our state required guidances for one trimming but also our environmental requirements as well great thanks um you know i'm realizing we're running out of time here and I'm about halfway through my questions for you but if we still got Deanna on the line um, I would also just like that I mean PG&E has a wealth of other things <laughs> out there that they're doing to help reduce wildfire risk hey thanks for hanging with us um, one at least I'd want to touch on briefly is the uh, wildfirealert.org the uh, the camera network that's going on out there and that um, kind of a cool resource that people can look at and um, see what's going on around them. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about where that's at and what? what yeah, of course. Um, I do want to say real quick, though, that um, we are in the middle of a major winter storm and uh, our PG&E's local emergency operations centers in Mendocino and Lake counties have been activated. I'm happy to say there are zero outages, zero power outages right now. But I do want to make sure that our customers your listeners um, are prepared for potential power outages um, due to low-level snow that's expected. So just want to say that real quick. But yeah, I mean, as part of PG&E's wildfire mitigation plan, we're working to reduce wildfire risks every single day. Uh, nearly one-third of the electric lines that serve our area that are in central northern California that um, PG&E serves are in high-fire threat areas, uh, those Tier 2 or Tier 3 areas designated by the state by the California Public Utilities Commission. And so as part of our wildfire mitigation plan, you know, we have the public safety power shutoff and that is, you know, to prevent wildfires. We shut off the power for safety over when there are certain factors um, that, you know, we take a look at, our meteorologists take a look at, our analysts take a look at. It's a lot of weather data that we're looking at, low humidity levels, high winds, sustained winds, if it's a red flag warning, those types of things. And so we are bolstering our monitoring tools, not only our weather stations, we have a, PG&E has a thousand weather stations um, to help with this hyper-local data, but also firewatch cameras. And these are those HD cameras that you were just talking about. It's part of the alert wildfire network. Anybody has access to the cameras, um, so in Mendocino County, PG&E has uh, 12 cameras. Um, a lot of them were recently installed just in the past couple months. And in Lake County, we have seven of these HD cameras. You can see them at alertwildfire.org and just click on uh, North Bay. 
cameras and then you can see them all there. Um, so yeah, it's really cool part of our community welfare safety program. Does that program, am, am I understand it? I mean, is that like monitored all the time? Or are you in part relying on the public to be keeping it, watch, seeing what's on those cameras and being part of the uh, part of the process of alerting alerting when when they spot some fire? <laughs> well, um, Cal Fire and first responders have access to the cameras. So the, there are cameras, the whole system is used by fire managers, Bureau of Land Management, U.S. Forest Service, Cal Fire, local fire departments. So our partners at the local fire departments are monitoring those cameras as well. And there are a lot of other cameras from other agencies as part of this alert wildfire network. Um, the ones that, you know, PG&E um, had installed and paid for have, uh, you know, we'll say PG&E on them. And then in terms of all the weather stations, though, this is one of the ways that we're reducing the impacts of a PSPS. We're making the PSPS events smaller. We're impacting one-third fewer customers than we did in previous years. And it's because of this hyper-local data that we're able to get. So the weather stations, um, like I said, we have more than 1,000 across our entire service territory. 50 of them are in Mendocino County, and more than 30 of them are in Lake County. And you can see that data at pge.com weather. Cool, and we have a minute left to go, everybody. Yeah, and with that, I mean, do either of you have any kind of quick wrap-up points that you'd like to make that we haven't gotten to? I'm, I'm only about a third of the way through my questions, but so it goes. Uh, <laughs> Eric, come on another time. No, I just want to say with our wildfire mitigation plan, many of the things that Eric talked about with the enhanced vegetation management is definitely part of this plan, meeting and exceeding state vegetation safety standards. And that's what um, this enhanced vegetation management program is, is we're exceeding state vegetation safety standards. Whereas the routine work that he talked about is mandated by the state. We have to do that. And then the other things that we're doing is hardening the electric system, you know, um, building a more robust, more resilient grid with you know thicker poles, steel poles, fiberglass poles, instead of wooden poles, um, what we call tree wire, that's, you so know, I'm going to cut wire. you off, Deanna. And you've been listening to KZYX 